Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is. The head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. And you, I sincerely hope, are the listener. Yeah. Oh, let's agree to spend some time together, like like the next fifty-eight and a half minutes. It will fly by. Trust me. But if you do find yourself bored out of your mind in, in a few minutes from now, then, then I'll allow you, you know, to break our sacred pact and, and move on to another entertainment option. Uh, I know there are millions of them out there. I won't, I won't lie, though. It would be hurtful to me. Rejection has always been a difficult thing to accept. Uh, all right, enough about me, right? Let me introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy, who, like the rest of us, are still working at home. Uh, c- could we all return to the studio to do the show? Yeah, but I-, I have better snacks available at my apartment, so I have asked to keep working from home as long as I can. I'm going to milk this thing, like I said, until they tell me I can't. I know it won't last forever. Aunt Dorothy, you can say something now. How are you? Oh, well, I'm okay. I'm getting out a bit now, but I do enjoy this work from home, too. Uh, It's going to be tough to go back to work at the studio, as they don't have a full hosted bar I like uh, that I have at my house. You never know when one desires a dry martini. Well, as a mother, I would think that you would not want to be drunk at the putt-putt. Like right now, for instance. (sighs) This one could use a little more vermouth. So, anyway, dear, what were you saying? Well, well, nothing. I mean, I I guess I should now introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, Go ahead and mutter something so I can get the show started. Oh, well, I do not mutter. My parents taught me to never mutter. I always enunciate clearly. So, with that said, I would like to say how excited I am to be here or at my home, speaking to everyone, to be accurate. Uh, Hopefully soon we'll be able to do this show back in the studio because, you know, I miss the structure of an organized work site. You know, with the rules and the work standards, that's what makes a job satisfying. Hey, 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 you shut your face! Right, I so miss those, uh, you know, stuffy weekly staff meetings and the lousy air conditioning. Yeah. Okay, what I wanted to discuss on the show was that old question from that Matrix movie. It's now back, you know, kind of in a meme with maybe a slightly different context than what was in the movie. You know, what would you swallow, the red or blue pill? I think Neo made the right call, you know, with the red pill. But that was, you know, what? The first Matrix movie came out in 1999. The world has changed a bit. I think everyone would agree with that assessment. Have you ever dated a playmate? I refuse to answer. 
I mean, now I would go with the blue pill if the past three and a half years would just disappear. Yeah, uh, you know, you know what? I don't know about that movie you're talking about. What would you call it? The Mattress? Matrix. I, I know this. I would always choose a red pill over a blue pill. It's no coincidence that MAGA hats are red, Spud. It defines America. Oh, boy, do you even care what's in the pill? What if it contained lead or some ingredient that would not agree with your system? I just know that a red pill would be the best choice for me. It's just my gut feeling. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. I do think this red-blue pill thing has gotten a bit out of hand. I, I think the color red needs to file a lawsuit about being hijacked. I'm sure the color gray was pissed off too during the 1860s and quite happy, uh, you know, to now have been replaced by the red, you know, pill. That's just my thought, but. Uh. Well, the color red is just a better color than blue. I don't think there's a blue tie in my whole collection of ties that I have in my closet. It's just not a right. dynamic, vibrant color. Okay, I won't get into a fashion discussion about what's in your wardrobe, but I am alarmed a bit that you would choose to swallow a pill strictly on its color. Wouldn't you at least visit the WebMD site and check out its side effects before swallowing? I think we're you know, getting off track here. The color of the two pills represent two different approaches to life, okay? Uh, the red pill forces one to face the unpleasant truth, and, and the blue pill allows one to you know, remain in blissful ignorance. Now, the question is, what's the most responsible choice in today's world, not 1999? You know, the, that's when the Wachowskis made the movie, but today's world. Yes! Uh, it wouldn't matter to me. Yesterday's world, today's world, tomorrow's world, I'd still swallow the red pill. So, you choose to face the realities of the world we now face? Are you sure about that? Yeah. We are talking are about you? facing the unpleasant truth, especially as a privileged white guy. You don't seem equipped to take that on. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's kind of the point here. I think, you know, the whole thing is flipped since 99. You know, he, you might want to rethink this. Facing the unpleasant truth is not much fun. I would think you and your mega buddies would much prefer the blue pill these days. Blissful ignorance seems to be all the rage with you Trumpers. I mean, if it doesn't impact you directly, then it must not be real. And it only makes common sense. Oh, I would firmly disagree. I and the vast majority of Americans are not blissful, Spud. We have no use well, for bliss. Uh, maybe so. Well, we can discuss this further, but right now it's time for some music. Uh, so in honor of that great documentary, The Last Dance, I thought there was another legend out there. Uh, though this guy sort of remains in obscurity to a degree. No, he never had his own Nike brand or earned six rings like Michael Jordan. His career was a little more low profile, but he did come out of nowhere to play in the NBA. A one in a million shot from the Ivy League. And, you know, he made the best of it. So this song is from the rapper Raheem Jarbo, who, who goes by Mega Ran. He hails from Philly. Uh, this tune of his re was released in 2012. Here is Jeremy Lin. Lin to the basket, reverse layup, he flips it in. Oh, what a play for Jeremy Lin. Zigzagging his way through the zone. And the reverse layup, let us show you why. And how zigzag reverse off the glass. Yeah, winning and grinning. <laughs> 
And the chance of Jeremy now thundering down from the sellout crowd. From undrafted to talk of the league, from afterthought to all over TV. I tell you, hard work is the key, but uh, this is what can happen when you dream. I'm Jeremy Lin from undrafted to talk of the league, from afterthought to all over TV. I tell you, hard work is the key, but uh, this is what can happen when you dream. I'm Jeremy Lin, six foot three, with a four two. Great point average, not vertical Overlooked by every single team But never once did he let it hamper his dream First in the gym and the last one done Proving hard work pays off in the long run He killed him in the previous summer Dropped a career high when coach finally called his number From undrafted to talk of the league From afterthought to all over TV I tell you, hard work is the key, but uh, this is what can happen when you dream. I'm Jeremy Lin. Two and a foul. Wow. Jeremy Lin does it again. It's Cut off the roster and go to state. But knew his time was coming, so we chose to wait. Never know when you gon' get up in the game But he made this moment count in the biggest of ways In New York City, the world's greatest stage 20,000 rabbit fans scream his name Wasn't recruited for his ball skills And now you gotta wonder how they all feel Didn't quit, he only worked harder Went from Harvard graduate to NBA starter the haters gon' hate and call him lucky Best Ivy Leaguer in the league Sorry Chris Dudley Must be some kind of desire To make everybody who doubted you Out to be a liar And even if it only lasts a moment Jeremy Lin took it and owned it You gotta respect it From undrafted to talk of the league From afterthought to all over TV I tell you hard work is the key But uh this is what can happen when you dream. I'm Jeremy Lin. Undrafted to talk of the league. From afterthought to all over TV. I tell you hard work is the key, but uh, this is what can happen when you dream. I'm Jeremy Lin. Hey, it's your man, J.B. Smooth. Now, I don't give a damn about no damn Spud. What grown man named Spud any damn way? I'm just saying in general. Listen to him if you want to. Um, I don't listen to his ass. I don't give a damn about his ass. I don't know him. Don't listen to him. Just give a damn if you listen to him. Uh, Spud, your first guest, Melora Hardin, is on the line. Now, she's an actress, right? That is correct. And a singer and now director. Oh. Everyone knows her as Jan, you know, Michael Scott's girlfriend on The Office. She was awesome on that show. The Office was a show that I loved to watch, even though I cringed quite often watching Melora's character, Jan, and Steve Carell's Michael Scott interact. It was painful sometimes. I can't take 
this. Uh, which is the pure essence of comedy gold. You know, I want to watch that office show sometime. I've been told by friends at church that I remind them of a character on that show. I think his name is Dwight. The answer is... Yeah, well, Melora has a new show these days on the Freeform Network, uh, The Bold Type, and she wants to talk about it, so just put her through, man. Here she is. Please welcome actor, singer, and director Melora Harden. Thanks for checking in with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you currently co-star in the series The Bold Type, airing on the Freeform Network, Thursdays at 10 p.m., Coincidentally, your co-star is your actual husband, Gildart Jackson. That's a lot of togetherness. <laughs> That's right, he is. Yeah. Um, so you directed an episode of the series titled Snow Day. Uh, what was it like yep. taking total control of the show? And afterwards, was it tough going back to being just an actor on the show? Did you miss any of the perks? <laughs> well, um, you know, directing this um, the, the episodic was something that I wanted to try for... Uh, for quite some time, I've directed a lot of independent things, um, and I had let the producers know early on that this was something I really was, you know, doing and interested in. And so when Snow Day came to me, I was really excited and love love the episode. And um, and no, I mean it, it felt actually quite natural for me, to be honest. Um, and I think I really I want to pursue some more episodic directing. I really enjoyed it. Super. Well. You know, the world remembers you as as Jan, Michael Scott's girlfriend on The Office, a series that is still being watched by billions, and I mean, I mean that is a fact, in reruns. How difficult was it, you know, to not break character at times and, and just crack up with your, you know, your scenes with Steve Carell were, were the best in cringeworthy humor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it was... Definitely, there was lots of lots of laughter on the set, and um, and lots of fun. And yeah, I mean, it was, but it was such a Jan was such a great character to play, and and she was so kind of um, she was really the straight man, you know, for for Steve's kind of shenanigans, and and that was really really fun to kind of you know sometimes I. I had to hold a really, I had to hold a straight face when I was cracking up inside. <laughs> really? Well, I know you've been asked this a lot, but I gotta still ask it anyway. That's my job. Uh, uh, on, you know, on the note of cringeworthy TV, the, the classic episode of the series, The Dinner Party, remains one of my favorite bits. You know, of comedy. I, I, I guess it was first thought to be a, a bit too cringeworthy, but later, I, it did receive, you know, it's due as one of the best episodes ever in comedy. Uh, that, that's my, that's my, at least my opinion you were freaking awesome i gotta say that thank you <laughs> yeah that was a great that was great fun to do and and certainly a, a great episode you know for for jan and the jan and michael uh, storyline it was really quite quite like real oh my god <laughs> it was lots of fun lots of fun do you have any friends or, or uh, associates that that, could, that you know that maybe uh shared in in some of those experiences because you you tossed all you could anything you could possibly experience at a dinner party into one episode so i mean yeah anyway very memorable <laughs> it's true it's true all of the uh, all of the horrible things arriving you know arriving and finding out that they haven't even started cooking yet <laughs> right yeah i reference that every I mean, time i don't know that i've had that particular experience but i've definitely gotten to parties uh, you know i'm sure we, we've all had this happen where you go to a party and you and you they they have a like 
three carrots and two pieces of celery, and you're thinking, wait, did they only expect like two people? I, you know, I, and so you know, I always have too much food at my parties because I'm always <laughs> just that idea of just getting there and feeling like you're only allowed a crumb <laughs> because there's just no food. I know they, they generally run out of ranch dressing way too soon, but anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> so, Spud, what? Well, I would like to make it clear that at all Holcomb dinner parties, we make sure to have a plentiful supply of radishes and saltine crackers to nibble on before the main meal served. My wife, Rachel, never scrimps on the radish spread. Hey, Melora, j- just a sec. I need a moment. I don't care how much ranch dressing you put out. It's not enough to make a radish eatable. They're, they're about as tasty as dirt. Oh, I know I would never offer radishes at any gathering. What kind of person would serve such a thing? I strongly disagree, Mrs. Jarvitz. Everyone loves radishes. They have such a, a full, robust taste, especially with a bit of ketchup to dip them in. Yeah, I've only been to, like, one of your dinner parties, and, and I never told you this, but what was up with that pig's feet quiche you guys served? It was, it was disgusting. No, I mean, no offense, and please do not tell your wife. Well, she's listening right now, Spud. Uh, okay, uh, I need to get back to Melora. I have returned. Okay, great. So you received an Emmy nomination for your work on the Amazon Prime series Transparent. It was a very impactful TV series generating support for transgender issues kind of before it was a mainstream movement in the media. So, you know, I I have my my statement or question is entertainment programming can actually help move society towards change, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, Transparent is, is definitely the thing that led me to the bold type because... Um, I wanted to, after that experience of, of being on a show that was really just doing so much good in the world and, and so much good for the trans community, I, I really wanted the next thing that I did to be something that was meaningful as well. And so to play, you know, Jacqueline Carlyle, who's a boss and who is, um, you know, really powerful woman in the workplace. Uh, but she's also a kind woman who is, you know, holds up her employees and supports them and inspires them and challenges them and in a way that is much more true to life, I think, um, at least with my experiences. And um, it's not cutting them down at the knees at every turn and manipulating and backstabbing. I think it's a really bad thing for women to see that um, as a picture of, you know, even even I myself believed it as a young person. I think I believed that. You know, as soon as I became famous, I was going to be a bitch. And so I didn't want to, you know, as a little girl, I remember saying to my mom that I that I was going to quit as soon as I became famous because I didn't want to be a bitch. And I think that 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 is because I think that was just the that was the uh, that was what was being put out there in the world. It, It wasn't my mom that was telling me that or my dad that was telling me that it was that I was seeing that I was seeing that being portrayed. And so. To me, it's very, very healing to, to, to have a woman on television that is a powerful woman who's the boss, who's the one who's in charge, and she's also kind, and she has integrity, and I get so many women coming up to me and saying, wow, I, wa- I want to be a boss like that, or I want a boss like that, and um, that means that when they're in the workplace and they have someone treating them badly, they can literally reflect back on the bold type and think, you know, that's not what Jacqueline Carlyle would have done. I think I'm I think I'm in the right and I think I'm going to advocate for myself. 
Right. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. As a man, uh, you know, I'd like to say I can relate, but that was very, very well stated. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So you also have a singing career and have performed the national anthem at, at many sporting events. I, I have to ask, how tough is it to remember all of the lyrics of that song? Because there have been many accidental improvisations over the years. Is the ly- <laughs> is it the lyrics or the pressure of doing a national anthem that prompts the goof-ups? <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. That I haven't. Uh, I haven't had one of those goof ups. But I think it's great to, you know, if you if you forget or you lose your way to just. Uh, I remember. I mean, this is not about the national anthem, but I was doing a, a charity thing. I was singing at a charity gig, and I was singing a song that I've sung about seven thousand times, and it's a Sondheim song, and Sondheim is incredibly wordy, mm-hmm. um, you know, music, and and I and I literally just lost my way within within about you know just a very short time um you know when you're performing it's it's a funny thing to um to sort of something happens in the audience or something happens that can distract you um and and it once it once that happens you're it's it's not good and so i remember just literally just singing gibberish you know just i was i stayed on the on the you know the melody and on the and on the rhythm and and just started singing you know until i could find the words again which i did ultimately they did come back to me but uh but it was hilarious that i I did that for about a half a verse so i'm sure with the national anthem you know people something happened that you know distracted them or whatever and they just they just go off on their own little tangent and you know god love them because as a performer, you got to do what you got to do. The show must go on, as they say. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, let me say again that you currently co-star in the Freeform series, The Bold Type, that airs each Thursday at 10 p.m. Thank you so very much for coming on our show. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Ms. Malora Harden. We pay tribute here not to a man who lived a century ago, but to an individual who lives today in the hearts of all freedom-loving people. His prophetic words are as valid for our time as they were for his. And now, the skills of the sculptor and the talents of the artist will let us relive the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, Spud, I'm being told that our show's resident psychic, Ted Marr, is holding on the line for you. Well, put him through, please. Uh, do you want me to do his his uh, promo? We go through this almost every show. Sorry. It's your job. You only have like yeah. one or two things to do. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> Ted Marr can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is. Say hello to our show's resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. Thanks for doing this, Ted. Hi, hi, Spud. This is great. Thank you so much for inviting me on. So I wanted to ask you about a musician. I, I, yeah, I'll use that term. That, that passed away in 1979, I think. Uh, Sid Vicious. Uh, he was in the Sex Pistols, an English punk band. If, you, if you're not aware of him, you know, remember, do you remember I, Sid and Nancy I the movie? Don't, no. 
I kind of remember the name, but I don't know him. I mean, I don't know much about him. So. All right. Uh, well, anyway, while living, Sid was like a troubled soul. He had a ton of issues, drugs, a, a poor work ethic, bad manners, a, a bunch of stuff. But I was thinking of him recently. Do, do people like Sid Vicious uh, get their uh, together, so to speak, uh, after they're gone? Uh, has he now become like a productive member of the afterlife? I'm not suggesting he's a pillar of the community, but is, does he get along with others now? Actually, that's a really good question, and it explains the answer will help explain what happens after you pass on. For people, for troubled souls um, that 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 have difficulties, they'll often go to a spiritual hospital where where he went after he passed on, oh. and there he was able to get rid of his drug uh, drug addic- alcohol addictions and um, fully uh, look at his life. Um, He had to do a lot of healing. Um, He has since been released from the hospital on the other side, and he's actually a very productive uh, member of of the 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 spirit community on their side. He he plays a lot of uh, of music there. He hasn't reincarnated yet. Um, He's waiting for planet Earth to ascend. But um, it's, it, he says that school, Earth is like a school where you learn, where you hopefully learn certain lessons, so you don't have to come come back again. And he also said that um, you can still spiritually progress on the other side; it's just slower. Um, there's no place like it in the universe where you can you can experience the kind of things in Earth, what he calls Earth school. Um, as compared to to the other side, huh. well, he's really coming on strong today. After wow. you asked about him, well, he's a very but, strong. Um, he has a strong personality. Let me just say this. Well, I got oh, yeah. to hit you with this. People who have like self destructive habits while living on here and on Earth or wherever, I assume you know, under you know, understand how stupid their choices were when they when they get the chance to look back in the afterlife, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they they do what's called a life review, and then they realize uh, all the dumb things they did, but they try to learn from it. Right. They try to learn from it, and and I I have to admire him for learning from he's he's done the best he can to learn from his mistakes, and he's doing really well now on the on the spirit side. He's doing really well. Well, that's good to know. I know Elvis, for instance, must now realize the poor nutritional choices he made with all those, you know, peanut butter, banana, and bacon sandwiches. So, what you're saying, I guess, is that 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 Sid, you know, you know, has some regrets on how hard he partied here on Earth, and and it's come to, right. yeah, okay, all right, that's good, it's good to know. All right, but well, yeah. what? I'm sure most everyone after death has regrets on some of the choices they made while living. I know I'll have a couple myself. For instance. I really goofed up when I bought our Kia minivan. We, we've had all sorts of trouble with it. I should have bought American-made like my kids suggested. Uh, you know, live and learn, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know I have more than a few, you know, choices that I've made that I regret. I know. Oh, you know, one, of course, would be me signing off on the decision for you to be the temporary co-host of the show. Looking back, it was a horrible decision. No offense. Okay, it's temporary permanent co-host, and I do take offense. I will just assume you're joking, and I'll let you get back to Ted now. Uh, I'm the one who says I need to get back to Ted. Zip it, as I need to get back to Ted. Okay, I, I have returned. Okay. Um, let me hit you with this. Uh, I, I was okay. wondering if Sid would ever consider, re, you know, like a reunion when all the band members of the Sex Pistols have passed on to the afterlife, uh, down, you know, way down, down the road. 
there's you know anyway i'm not wishing anybody an early exit but and, I, and they're a niche band for sure you know because like ario speedwagon or Loverboy, uh, we will still pack them in at, at afterlife casinos if they have them there i don't know if they have casino afterlife casinos but but if the sex pistols could play at like a costco parking lot you know like when they're when it's closed i i, I doubt any afterlife club or bar would want them to risk it because you know the, all those guys are pretty sure. rowdy but so sure. you're saying we can get a chance all of us, when we're gone, to maybe catch a Sex Pistols reunion show. Absolutely, yeah, and 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 I do see the band getting together on the other side ah, once all the members have passed over. I do, I do see that. One of the things he's telling me when he was alive here in the third dimension, because of his drug and alcohol use, what happened is that negative entities attached to him and made him do things which really weren't his character. But now that he's on the other side, he's. He's really cleaned up his, his act, and he's doing much, much better now, much happier. That is he's great had... to hear. Um, but tell, yeah. tell Sid, regardless of how stupid he acted here on Earth, you know, or even if he, if he's still maybe even a, a pain in the butt there a little tiny bit, mm-hmm. uh, I would just love to hear him play My Way when I do pass on because it's a great version. That's what I'm looking forward to. So anyway, all right, I, I know you got to go. i got to wrap this thing. So just thanks so much for what you do for our show, okay? My pleasure, Scott. He said he'll be there for you when, you, when eventually when you go over. Ah, super. All right, there you have it. Our show's resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. There's still more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief intermission. He had no money. He had no sense in his brain He was for Goodman But that didn't get in his way He was a blind receiver On the wall of shame And all the people joined in Cause they like how he swayed Cause he swayed like this That's Spud Goodman That's Goodman Spud 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 we now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. You know, Elon Musk tweeted out to choose the red pill a while back. Yeah, that's that's what he said. He made his choice. I think Ivanka Trump jumped in to agree with him on Twitter, too. Uh, I don't think they're both on the same page, though. Ivanka must be, you know, thinking of the, the 1999 red pill. I, I don't think she's aware that the 2020 version of that red pill might be somewhat upsetting to her and Jared. Yeah. <clears throat> she might be more focused on how red might be more flattering fashion-wise than blue for her, like Gerald. It might have nothing to do with a pill. Ivanka uh, is maybe, one of the best and brightest government leaders in this country. She, what? And she, yeah, she and Jared, who, by the way, personally rescued this country, uh, for that matter, the world, from so many problems. It would take me hours to go over all of them. But anyway, they were, they've both given so much of themselves to America, and we're all in their debt for sure. Look, alternative facts are not facts. Well, I know now she does have really expensive purses to carry around her dad's props. You know, I saw her with one that I was told cost more than my car. Uh, But getting back to the premise from the Matrix movie, I think Elon Musk, you know, by choosing red, he meant that we do need to, like, you know, face head on the challenges of the world and not bury our heads in the sand. At least that's what I hope he meant. I don't I don't think he's ready to put on a red MAGA hat anytime soon, but 
You never know. I mean, he did try to bust up a union at his car plant. Excellent. Oh, though Elon is really cute. I think he's on the Trump train these days, if you ask me. Oh, well. Uh, I don't know who this Elon is, but why wouldn't he or anyone, for that matter, jump on the Trump train? It's a wonderful experience. Join us. Uh, With what that white nationalist megalomaniac is doing to this country? Oh, look at my African-American over here. I think I'd much rather walk. Uh, He does make me feel a bit creepy to be white these days. Yeah, I mean, what makes this whole red or blue pill thing so interesting, though, um, especially these days, is how people interpret it. And that is what I want to get at. It's beyond subjective. It's more of like a Rorschach test, if anything. Rorschach? Yeah. That's one of those tests kids take to get into college, right? I I think my oldest, Gerald Jr., might have have to take one of those pretty soon. Oh, Gerald, the Rorschach test is an analysis in which individuals' perception of ink blots are recorded and then examined using psychological interpretation. Ink blots? Are are you referring to some kind of graffiti? Because that is a very strange test, if you ask me. Yeah, well, no one asked you, okay? And and what I was saying is each of us receives information, you know, filtered through our own lens. And regarding that, you know, uh, I know I always prefer a heavy filter on my lens these days, as it does help with with my double chin and, and crow's feet. Courtney, Chloe. Oh, I think you've aged okay, Spud. You think? Sure, you've. Put on a few pounds, and and uh, really your ear hair is out of control, and you've bad. gotten incrementally more oxidated over the years. But you could look worse. Well, well, thanks, Aunt Dorothy. I, I think using the avocado facial masks uh, that I bought at Walgreens, I'm using them almost every night to, unless I forget. They seem to be helping a bit. Yeah, you know, Spud, a real man does not moisturize. My mother told me that when I turned 13. I will admit to using a bit of Noxzema after paintballing with my kids, you know, when I have some trouble getting the camouflage paint off my face. What's with you, Joha? Well, we'll see who gets the last laugh in 20 years or so. Well, Gerald, a little moisturizer is always a good thing. Uh, you might also want to maybe give some thought to a bronzer like your hero Trump. You look a little pasty, don't you think? Uh, a bronzer? Uh, you are right, Aunt Dorothy. A little color on his face you know, might be a plus. No offense, dude, but you look like a day-old piece of Wonder Bread. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, any- I'm thinking it'd be a good idea right now, though, uh, to hear from our listeners in regards to what pill they would choose. I think that that means something would be interesting. You know, red or blue pills. So can can someone play the call-in plug for those that don't know the number? Attention Attention listeners, listeners. get on the phone and call the Spudline. 253-242-3054. Call the Spudline. Call it. All right, then let's get back to the music. Uh, let's cue up something from way back in the Seattle music scene's history. This tune is from the band Green River, uh, which was made up of Mark Arm, Stone Gossard, Jeff Ament, uh, Bruce Fairweather, and Alex Shumway. They all went on to other projects that you might have heard of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have. Uh, here is This Town.
Hello, this is Emo Phillips, and you, through no fault of your own, are listening to the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, Spud, your next guest, Cole Hauser, is holding for you. You know, we Holcombs watch his show, Yellowstone. It's one of our favorite programs. Well, good to know you're actually familiar with a guest on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think Yellowstone's starting its third season, right? And we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Cole is kind of a man's man. He's quite virile and masculine, Gerald. Kind of your polar opposite. I'm surprised you're a fan of the show. Yeah, I, I thought you were afraid of the mere sight of horses, dude. That's what you told me. This show has a ton of them in it. No, I, I'm not afraid of horses. I, I just had an unfortunate experience with a Shetland pony growing up. Let me tell you, being nibbled on and nuzzled can be traumatic to some kids. I think the reason why is I've just been, like, so unhappy. Oh, I myself enjoy being nibbled and nuzzled. Of course, it does depend on who's doing it. Yeah, right. Uh, can someone just put Cole through, please? Say hello to actor Cole Hauser. We appreciate you coming on our show. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, your series, Yellowstone, is back for season three on the Paramount Network, airing Sunday nights. The show's the top-rated program on the network, so I'm guessing they treat you pretty well, right? Yeah, on occasion, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll get a little gift in the mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, for those who haven't caught the show yet, you play the character Rip Wheeler, kind of the right-hand man and, and enforcer sometimes for Kevin Costner's character, John Dutton, the owner of the largest ranch in the country, correct? In the state of Montana, yeah. Um, yeah, right. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, you have to, I don't know if you rode horses much before, but I you obviously you're really good at it now. So... Uh, mm. Did they did they give you your own horse, or so you could bond with it, or did they rotate them? Yeah, no, rotate. So what, you know, the best way to learn how to ride a horse, obviously, is to get on different horses and different saddles. So in the beginning, in season one, there wasn't a horse that I didn't get on that didn't have different disciplines. You know, whether it be roping horses or cutting horse or a reining horse, and you know, Taylor never, the show creator never allowed me to get comfortable and for that reason I learned you know extremely quick I mean I had ridden prior to the show but not like this right um, do they have like stand-in horses or stunt double horses when, when there's really tricky stuff to do yeah I mean different horses are, are talented just like athletes you know in different positions mm -hmm. you know they're, they're better at different things so you know you'll have a horse that's you know um, better on a certain ground, you know, or, you know, a horse that's faster in certain areas or, you know, understands how to cut cows, you know, if you're doing that. So, yeah, they, you know, they have different, for me, I have a bay horse, which is the color of it, and they'll have three or four different ones to jump on. Wow. All right. Super. Well, you know, we had Gil Birmingham on the show last year. Yeah. His character is the leader of a Native American tribe who challenges Kevin Costner's character on the issue of land rights. I was just kind of curious, does the show get much fan mail taking sides on the conflict? You know, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I, I know that, you know, Taylor has done a very good job, in my opinion, um, and I know that, you know, Pete Sands, who's a good friend of mine, who's a Navajo, um, he, he feels that he's done a great job of, of not, 
you know, alienating one side or the other and mm-hmm. being strictly honest about, you know, their feelings and, and how they portray each other, you know what I mean? And so that to me is, you know, probably, I hope, you know, given a fair shake, you know, to not only the American Indians, but also to the ranch owners that have been there for a very long time as well. Right. Uh, I, all I know is some of those property rights uh, ranchers are kind of scary. So, yeah, I'm just curious. All right. Um, yeah. the, the show shoots on location in the open spaces a lot in the state of Montana. Do, do they bring the craft services table out to the frontier, or, or does the cast have to wait to eat when you get back to where there's electricity? <laughs> no, we're on a really cool uh, working ranch um, in Darby, Montana. And um, the owner, Shane uh, Lydell, he... Um, he allows the trucks to come in and everything. So we'll shoot in a certain way for half of the day and then break and we'll go into our, it's actually the bunkhouse um, huh. in the show and we'll eat in there and that's the cafeteria. Ah, super. Well, well, Cole, you come from a historic entertainment industry family. Your, your mother, Cass Warner, was a successful film executive. Your your father is actor Wings Hauser. Your grandfather was Oscar-winning screenwriter Dwight Hauser. And your great-great-grandfather was the legendary Harry Warner. So here's my question. Yeah. You guys all made your mark in Hollywood. But when you were younger, did you ever give any thought to a career outside of showbiz? Yeah, no, I was always uh, going to be a, an athlete, you know, for many years. I had no interest in, and didn't really know much about it. It wasn't really until I started doing school plays that my mom kind of gave me some insight into who my family was. I didn't grow up in L.A. and, and around that part of my family, so, um, you know, I had no real clue until I started really getting invested in it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, in 1993, you were cast in Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused, as as I've stated on the show many times, one of my all-time favorite movies. So, you know, it kind of helped break so many actors' careers. It would take me too long to read, you know, the names of cast members who later blew up. Uh, Did any of you at the time have a feel that, that it would have the impact it did? No, I think we all knew that we were doing something good. Um, same with, like, you know, I would say school times or goodwill hunting or, or you know, days. That, you know, you kind of have a feeling that you're doing something good. But, you know, so, you know Days of Confused came out, just as you were aware, and it made two seconds. You know, it's not until it went to actual, you know, um, tape and then DVD mm-hmm. that it actually became a quote classic. So, you know, um, when you look at Gramercy and the release of that film, they didn't do a very good job and it didn't do very well in the theaters. But, it, but it, I mean, it still holds up today. It's just, yeah, it's a classic. And the yeah. soundtrack is killer, yeah. i got to say that. Um, that soundtrack is amazing. Uh, we, you've played a lot of bad guys in films and TV. Is that more fun than playing the clean-cut, squeaky-clean hero figures? Um, you tend to have a little bit more freedom to uh, play, you know? Um, and I think sometimes when you're playing the squeaky-clean, you know, leading man, um, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know, when it comes to what you're doing. So I've always enjoyed, you know, having no walls and no limits and being able to, you know, um, I guess play. So I, you know, I tend to gravitate towards those roles. I mean, if you look at Rip Wheeler, he's multifaceted. He has many colors and, you know, that's why he's kind of the perfect role for me. I mean, you get to see his strength, his love, his compassion, his friendship, you know, and his loyalty. Okay. All right. Say, Spud. What? Well, I could add to that. My experience in being that squeaky clean hero figure in my life has been greatly satisfying. I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, 
I know you're more attuned to the anti-hero figures in TV and in the movies, but where would this country be without people like myself? I will tell you, totally lost and without a moral compass. Uh, just a sec, Cole. I don't remember asking you for a tutorial for being a hero figure. Well, I mean, how much fun can that be anyway? I myself have, have always been drawn to the bad boy type. My first and second husbands both walked on the wild side a bit. But I will say uh, yeah. this, they do make horrible spouses. Total train wreck. Yeah, m my point exactly, Mrs. Jarvis. There is no shame in being the all-American type. My mother told me. She knew shortly after I was born, I would grow up to be someone others would gain great inspiration from. Well, mothers can be wrong. Just saying. Yeah, now let me finish up with Cole. I am back. Thanks. Well, last question. I know you got to get going. I often ask guests what has been their most memorable moment in their showbiz career, but as you've been immersed in the industry, kind of, you know, uh, can I ask, if is there an event, uh, a memorable moment outside of that world that sticks with you to this day? Um, I would say the USO tour I did um, about five years ago in Afghanistan oh. was probably, you know, the, what this job affords you is to be able to go and, you know, make people's day, you know, military especially, you know, and go up there and acknowledge them for what they do and surprise them and make them feel good and, and also experience things that nobody would ever be able to see. So I think that was probably uh, uh, one of the moments in my career that I look at and, and I'm always going to hold cher and cherish, um, you know, for the rest of my life. All right. Okay. Super. Well, let, let me say again, your series Yellowstone is back for season three, airing Sunday nights on the Paramount Network and is available on demand. So just thanks a whole lot for speaking with us. You got it, Spud. Take care. All right, Mr. Cole Hauser. Free. I now only eat food that is gluten-free, as I want to be the healthiest person I can be. I will never again eat stuff that tastes good to me, and also now things smell a little different when I pee. I will die a very healthy but sad man, you see, as now I only eat food that is gluten-free. <laughs> Is this uh, Mr. Tommy Chung? Who's calling? Uh, this is Spud Goodman. You remember me? Who? Spud Goodman. Who? Uh, I kind of have a radio show. Uh, uh, Spud's not here. Sorry. Uh, this is Spud Goodman. Who's calling? Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. It's Spud, S-P-U-D. Spud's not here. My, how time flies. But uh, they're telling me we have a number of callers who want to vote on what color pill they would choose to swallow. Uh, do you want to hear what they have to say? Why do you think I asked for the call-in number to be played earlier? Jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah, put them through. Uh, caller, you're on the air. What's your choice, red or blue? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it would, I would go with the red pill. It just seems to be the best option, you know, and hopefully it would taste okay. You know, it wasn't too big because, you know, I have this problem swallowing these large pills. Stop being weak!
Oh, caller, so do I. My wife crushes my pills and then mixes them into pudding every morning for me. Uh, mostly chocolate, but sometimes butterscotch. Uh, that's pretty tasty, too. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I, I don't like pudding. Look, I, I, okay, I, I gotta go. Hey, do... Okay, fine. Do, do we have another caller? If we do, put it through. Are you, uh, am I Am I on? Uh, yeah, uh, you are. I, I would go with the, the, the blue pill because I'm not afraid of the truth. But, but all, Almost all the pills I take are blue. So why pause to take a pill? It would just be easier for me to know it when I, when I put together my pills, organizers each week and sort them Okay. Yeah, I get it. Okay, most pills for dudes are blue, but I don't think convenience is the best way to go in making your decision with this question. Oh, I would disagree, Spud. Men, uh, dare I say, confident and patriotic men are not afraid of reality. They, they face it head on each day. Shut up and dribble. Oh, really? You, you want to open that door, huh? Uh, like how your yeah. red team has been so willing to look inward and see how many people in our society who've gotten screwed over many, many years. The, the least you could do is just admit it. Come on. I think that blue pill was custom made for all of you guys. Uh, you know, not actually seeing the truth makes it real easy to ignore, you know? Truth isn't well, truth. You know, I, I myself have pretty good vision, I gotta say. My last exam, they told me I had... 20-20 in my left eye and uh, okay, all right. 30 in my right one. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of my eyesight. I gotta yeah, say. okay, fine. You, you kind of missed my point, but that's okay. I got to go, but thanks for calling in. Well, hey, maybe do you want to ask me some of my favorite TV shows or maybe uh, what some of my hobbies are? Yeah, I'm no. wondering if it's possible to win a prize if I get the right answer, no, maybe. No. Yeah. Uh, hey, do we have anyone else on the line? I hope. Hopefully it's a uh, yeah. better call. Uh, but I believe we do have a few more callers. Uh, Good. I will have the control board put through the next one. Our caller, you're on. So what's your decision? The red or blue pill? Well, I would go with the blue pill. Not that I'm afraid of reality. I just feel that best fits me. I okay. think enough right. reality each day in my life. A little break from what I have to deal with would be a blessing. Well, can, can I ask if you're married? Because if so, then I would get it. You know, the husband and the kids for sure must like really get on your nerves. They are not our friend. Yes, I am married, but it's not just them. Right now, it's sensory overload. Too much sad and depressing information. Caller. Did you not hear about those amazing employment figures President Trump recently announced? Have you looked at the stock market lately? America is great once again. Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. Yeah, uh, I gotta go now. Uh, okay. The one woman who calls in and you make her hang up before I, I could really have a decent conversation with her? I you, didn't you know, make she her. Didn't, she didn't, yeah, well, she didn't sound that happily married. You, you're always blocking me. Always. Uh, put the next caller through. You're on the air. Yeah, yeah. I would go with Red Pill. You know, we, we in the men's rights movement, we feel it's high time. Men's issues around the globe are finally recognized. I'm going to tell you, it's a travesty. How many men have been disrespected by women in this world today? Um, um, you suck! Yeah, I don't know if guys have it so bad. I I mean, women for the most part have been nice to me. I haven't been ghosted in a long time, like maybe the 90s. It, it could be you, and it could be all about you on this one, caller. 
Uh, yeah, though I, I do not experience disrespect by my wife, I would agree, caller. These days, men do seem to be the butt of jokes, and we're made to feel like we're not as smart as women. How does that resonate for you in the bedroom? Yeah, I never felt I wasn't smart. You know, when I'm with a woman, it's just not, I don't know, I've never experienced it. Except maybe, you know, when math is involved, uh, then I'll fully admit I'm a moron, you know, like, you know, when figuring out the tip and that stuff. Hey, hey let me tell you something. Right now, men are being relegated to second class status. Look, the dating process, it's become such a humiliating experience that I attribute that to women demasculating men pretty clear to me if you ask me demasculating or emasculating oh. i get those two mixed yeah. up yeah 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 you sound a little bitter to me caller can i ask if you're single right now and if you are one of those incel guys yeah you sure sure. sound like you haven't been laid in a long time am i right yes oh god okay okay there she goes again with that incel word hey, look i am so sick of that being tossed out when me or any other men voice their displeasure at women who won't give them a decent shot. Automatically reject our romantic overtures. Well, I'll tell you if I had a dog you know, for every time, many, every single time women just turned up their noses when I asked them out or even do a dance at a club, I'd be a rich man. Well, maybe just think about this. It could be you're a dick. I mean, ha have you thought about that possibility? I, myself, have been warned many times to avoid being one, if possible. You dick! No, no. Look, I'm a nice guy. I'm a decent-looking guy. And I have a job. That's so hot. The reason that women treat me badly is because they're being told to hate men. It's that simple. Uh, I think you might be too generous in your self-appraisal. Women tend to reject men who repulse them. It's not yeah, complicated. Been that way for many years. Yeah, you know, I feel looks are highly overrated. The women I know don't care about such superficial things like that. You know, people lie a lot, so you gotta be on your toes. They care more about important things in life. Caller, you might have a point here as you have a job, you shouldn't have difficulty finding a potential bride. A potential what? No, no, yeah. no. I'm not looking to get married. I just want to have sex with women. Hey, that's not too much to ask for, don't you think, huh? I don't think it's going to happen. Well, it uh, you know, looks like it is for you. I got to go, man. Uh, dump this call, please. Get rid of it. Uh, all right, then. I am Spud Goodman. Be all you could be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Uh, I think you may have offended some of those incel guys who might be listening when you just hung up on him. Oh, he should have got the hook earlier. Right? Okay, then. Until next time, bye, everyone. The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Producer, David Brenneman. Produced at Rosedale Audio Productions. Associate producer, TJ Pite. Video director, Wyatt Young. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2020, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.
You have just heard one of a series of programs produced by United Nations Radio and presented as an international contribution to a better understanding of the world of 1960.